This is the To Health With That, Naturally Healthy in No Time podcast for big health topics taken in small bites. I'm your host, naturopathic doctor, Amy Nuzel, and this is season one, all about the MTHFR mutation. This week, we are going to talk about MTHFR and homocysteine, and we'll start at the very beginning, and we'll talk about this for several weeks, because high homocysteine is often the very first indication of an MTHFR issue, and it's certainly the one that doctors take the most seriously. There's a good reason for this. Homocysteine is implicated in heart disease, including heart attack and stroke, so it shouldn't be taken lightly. So what is homocysteine, anyway? Homocysteine is an amino acid. Amino acids are a building block of proteins, so they're useful for protein development in your body, but they're also taken in in proteins that you eat. It is made, actually, homocysteine is made within your body as a part of methionine metabolism. So you eat the amino acid methionine, and then, using MTHFR, of course, we convert the methionine to homocysteine, and then back into methionine and other useful things. You need homocysteine in order to make ATP, which is cellular energy, and also to make cysteine and ultimately glutathione, which is the master antioxidant. And we've talked about that before. Right? These are very crucial processes. The problem comes when homocysteine, which is kind of an intermediate that is a little bit toxic, <laughs> When homocysteine is building up and getting too high and your body can't continue to move that cycle forward. This happens when your body's unable to recycle homocysteine back into methionine. The primary recycling pathway relies on the MTHFR enzyme, as well as active folate and B12. There is a secondary pathway called BHMT that ramps up when homocysteine levels start to rise and it relies on other methylators. So other methyl donors, like betaine, trimethylglycine, or choline. So why does it get high in the first place? Well, as usual, there's a number of reasons, and many of them are related to MTHFR. So your body recycles homocysteine into methionine in an MTHFR-dependent process. It requires the active form of folate. So if your MTHFR is running slowly or inefficiently, then homocysteine levels can build up, and then that homocysteine in turn causes inflammation and damage. Even if you don't have an MTHFR, if you have a folate deficiency, then that recycling also can't happen because the MTHFR, like it's reliant on folate. B2 or B12 deficiency, like folate, those vitamins are necessary for methionine recycling and not having enough of them can also raise homocysteine to an unhealthy level. And that is regardless of any mutation or no. Also, regardless of any mutation, is too much protein intake. This is certainly a first world problem and a bigger one recently because everybody's doing fad weight loss diets from keto to Atkins to paleo. And if you're taking in higher levels of methionine than your body can easily process, then homocysteine is going to build up no matter how good your methylation is. Also, meats and dairies do have some, a small amount of naturally occurring homocysteine in them. And we'll talk more actually about the methionine situation specifically next week. There are other medical conditions that contribute, so thyroid disease, rheumatoid arthritis, and diabetes are all linked to higher homocysteine levels. 
There are some medications that decrease folate absorption. I mean, really, at the bottom line, the problem is a folate deficiency, but it's a folate deficiency induced by a medication. And those include proton pump inhibitors, birth control pills, antifolate agents like methotrexate, um, and some anticonvulsant medications. Also, high coffee intake. This pains my heart a little bit. Sorry to say, but high coffee intake is also linked to high homocysteine. If COVID has taught us anything, it's that community matters. Which is why I'm so excited to announce an amazing community for everyone who's working on making their genes better, whether that's MTHFR or genes in general. It's called Genetic Rockstars because, really, why not? And it's coming. Community.tohealthwiththat.com. We're doing a full launch in April, and I can't wait to see you there. So, okay, high homocysteine. What does it do that's so bad? Well, so many things, actually. It is vital. We need it. But in this situation, too much of a good thing becomes toxic. The most well-documented issue to do with homocysteine is inflammation by far. It's specifically damaging to cell membranes, so it's inflammatory within cell membranes and in the lining of your blood vessels, which is part of why it's so linked to heart disease. Also, clotting. So clotting in blood vessels also leads to heart disease, heart attack, stroke, pulmonary embolism, and deep vein thrombosis, none of which are good. You don't want any of those things. This is thought to be due to a combination of factors. One is that nitric oxide metabolism is compromised when there's high homocysteine levels, and so blood vessels can't open properly. The other is that a substance called thromboxane A2 is upregulated in both blood vessels and platelets, possibly because of the higher free radical burden caused by homocysteine, and that thromboxane A2 induces clotting. Neurological issues are also linked to high homocysteine levels. So disorders like stroke, Alzheimer's disease, but even things like epilepsy, Parkinson's, multiple sclerosis, and ALS. The research is unclear whether homocysteine is actually the the big factor in its own right, or if homocysteine is just acting as a marker for low B vitamin status, which is also linked to these conditions. Weirdly, bone fractures are linked to high homocysteine. Uh, and nobody really knows why. Um, it appears to be independent of other risk factors, so it's not related to, like, your B vitamins are low, so your bones are fracturing. And it's really unclear whether B vitamin supplementation decreases that risk or not. It seems to be genuinely linked to homocysteine. Something called microalbuminuria. So that's an abnormal protein in your urine, and it indicates a high future risk of cardiovascular disease as well as kidney dysfunction. Every 5 micromole per liter increase in homocysteine levels is associated with an increased risk of developing microalbuminuria, which in turn means an increased risk of heart disease and and kidney problems. So none of this is good. And interestingly, there is a lot of debate in the medical community about what actually constitutes a normal homocysteine level. We won't get to that this week, but it's coming up. Also, unfortunately, atherosclerosis. 
So as a consequence of the increased inflammation in your arteries, your body is more likely to lay down arterial plaque to protect itself. That's not the direction you want to go. High homocysteine increases the thickness of the arterial walls, reduces the elasticity of the arteries, and increases the production of stiffer collagen fibers in the vascular system. So essentially, what that boils down to is your arteries are getting harder, stiffer, less elastic, and also thicker. So the interior, that lumen of the arteries, is actually narrowing and becoming compromised, but then also you're laying down plaque in that lumen. So blood flow, definitely a problem. Also, unfortunately, high homocysteine levels have been implicated in a number of pregnancy complications, spontaneous abortion, placental abruption, and preeclampsia. So homocysteine is certainly an issue for MTHFR folks, but it's also incredibly helpful for us to use as a tracking system, a biomarker. You can literally test to see how your health is doing in the moment and how your methylation cycle is doing in the moment. We'll talk more about the role of methionine and uh, as well as testing homocysteine and optimal levels over the next couple of weeks. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk more about this.